Hi everyone, I'm Celia and I am the host for this podcast. Today I have my two amazing co-hosts, Phoebe and G, with me here. Hello. So before we start, have any of you guys heard someone say they would not survive a COD lobby? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for those who don't know, no shame, by the way. COD refers to Call of Duty, which is a first-person shooter video game. So the lobby is the meeting space for the players to wait while the game loads, and they can chat with each other there. The COD lobby is known for its toxicity, calling up slurs, and other kinds of harassment. So this phrase is used when someone's complaint is treated as oversensitive or even like too politically correct. Yeah, like, rather than acknowledging a genuine concern, people would just reply, um, quote-unquote, they wouldn't survive a Call of Duty lobby, to imply that they're so sensitive over everything. And surprisingly, it's often used in discussions about race and racism in gaming spaces. Exactly. Hopefully, no one would comment this after this podcast, (laughs) because we will be discussing the subject of video games. More specifically, racial injustice in video games under the context of the pandemic. We will be addressing this issue from a sociological point of view with the hope to explain the behavior and motivations behind the increase of cyberbullying during the pandemic. Well, all gamers, so we hope to bring our perspective on this topic as users in the community. We will also be discussing anti-Asian hate. And I think it's important to note that we are all East Asians here, so this discussion is very relatable to us. All right, to start with, we noticed that the perception of Asians has experienced a significant change following the COVID-19 outbreak that was first discovered in Wuhan, China. I've heard about Asians now being called with all kinds of slurs, such as fat eating, dirty, disease-ridden, or yellow viruses. Yeah, the outbreak of the pandemic led to a wave of worry and fear that fueled around the world that created a spread of discriminatory public discourses against East Asians, especially Chinese people, including Asian immigrants and Asians born in North America. Mm -hmm. I know since then, East Asians have only been increasingly discriminated against and have been targets of racist attacks. Sinophobia, which refers to a hate-based stigma and impression towards Chinese populations, seems to have affected anyone that possesses East Asian features, regardless of their actual culture, language, or even origin. Well said. This concept of stigmatization plays a crucial role in the rise of Sinophobia during the pandemic and will be explained later on. Overall, public sentiments that are discriminatory towards East Asians are globally resurfacing about Chinese people, and the false conception that they brought the disease here because they are dirty. This is largely due to areas being unsanitary and dirty attributed to high-density Chinatowns and also large cities in China. People started to blame the pandemic on East Asians, leading to a major rise in racism towards them. We can name this phenomenon a recapitulation of history, because if we look back, as you might already know, Sinophobia already existed. Yeah, that's right. Anti-Asian racism has always existed. It was never new. The pandemic only amplified racist behaviors that were already deeply sunken into the American view of Asians. Janelle Wong, a professor of Asian American studies at the University of Maryland, brought up the idea of the forever foreigner to designate Asian Americans. 
No matter how long someone of the Eastern Asian race has been on the American continent, no matter how naturalized they are to the local culture, they will always be perceived as being a part of the others. Yeah, as she said, it was maybe not as prominent as in the present, but it definitely had a place in society. We all probably have heard of the quote-unquote famous Chinese Immigration Act of 1923, also known as the Chinese Exclusion Act, that banned the entry of all Chinese immigrants for 24 years. Chinese people were completely singled out, and their migration to most countries was restricted. There is a long story of Western nations viewing Asians as inferior and subsequently treating them poorly. The otherness attributed to the Chinese, Japanese, and Eastern Asians is generally rooted in social, cultural, and religious differences. That being said, we still have to affirm that Sinophobia is way more prominent after the COVID-19 outbreak. Leading to my question, how did the pandemic lead to the rise in racist acts toward Asians? Um, as I mentioned previously, the rise in animosity was specifically directed towards Asians rather than any other minority groups. They were more likely to perceive COVID-19-related discrimination. According to Light, an organization that specialized in tracking online harassment, there was an increase of 900% in discriminatory comments on Twitter against Chinese people. How surprising. Why did people start discriminating against East Asian anyways? So this is caused by stigmatization, a concept that's defined as the process whereby a culturally understood as devalued and discrediting attribute is applied to an individual or a group of individuals by another more powerful one. It usually sets the mark of disgrace or infamy to dishonor a targeted group. In this context, the targeted group is the Asian population. To explain more precisely, a stigma is discrimination towards a particular individual or group of individuals based on observable social characteristics that distinguish them from the majority of members of society. In such a context, it all started with the tendency of identifying Asians as the carriers of the virus. Not only that, but the pandemic has fueled the fires of anti-Asian racism across the United States, simply with Donald Trump's various name for COVID-19 and him blaming Chinese people for the virus, people believe it was somewhat accessible to display open hatred towards any Asian person. Um, after the first cases were detected in central China in the late 2019, the rise of stigmatization towards East Asians occurred as attempts to blame them for being associated as carriers for the COVID-19 virus. Since there were a lot of asymptomatic people spreading the virus without knowing, individuals who contracted the virus might be blamed for it. With asymptomatic cases, illness was classified as an invisible stigma, which leads to individuals turning to the non-health-related traits to identify potential carriers. And the non-health-related trait was being East Asian and having East Asian features. It explains the increase in uh, prejudice towards East Asian descent and presents them as outsiders that caused the spread of the virus. The rate of race-based targeting, including harassment, threats, and insults, was lower prior to the pandemic. This important growing aggression towards East Asians is due to the stereotypes increasing on a global scale, which is caused by the association of Chinese people with the virus itself. All in all, Chinese people were targeted on the basis of their physical appearances and national origin. 
all these Asians, even those who have never visited their ancestral lands or are not even of Chinese descent, face blame and backlash for the spread of the virus. The verbal abuse was even aimed at the children and the elderly. Taking a more concrete look at a situation, I've heard about the China virus expression showing up in the street graffiti and on social media. Chinese restaurants were shunned and some homestay providers even stopped hosting Chinese students. On March 19th, 2020, Asian American and Pacific Islander, also known as AAPI Civil Rights Organizations, launched the Stop AAPI Hate Project to track incidents of anti-Asian violence and discrimination during COVID and has received over 2,500 reports of experienced hate events from Asian Americans. To give an example, a Chinese group in the UK received a Facebook post stating, quote-unquote, the disgusting barbaric animal cruelty you people do, you all deserve to get the virus. It's truly awful. Yeah, sinophobia is even present on the internet. Yeah, you have a point. People were all quarantined at some point during the pandemic and were forced to stay home, isolated from their usual social environment. Socialization is crucial for human beings as we needed to shape ourselves as individuals. It is via social interactions that we learn how to fit in the world. So socialization is extremely important for both individuals and society. Isolated people experience a feeling of loneliness which is often leading to anxiety and depression. Since socialization is a key part of individual development, people badly needed to socialize which prompted them to move on digital social platforms connecting themselves to the world via technology. The pandemic has accentuated the importance of online platforms in socialization. Yeah, the impossibility of socializing in person led to a significant increase in using digital platforms to socialize, particularly video games where players connect and form friendship while playing. For example, downloads for the video game Plague Inc. has increased by 123% since the pandemic started. Relating to the topic of video games during the pandemic, what can an average Asian gamer see and how is the representation of Asians in video game? As a female Asian gamer, I've always felt like the majority of video game characters are white. No matter the genre of game I played, the characters offered to me were all white. I rarely see characters that resemble me. You're totally right. I've also always felt that way and we're definitely not the only ones. According to the Nielsen 360 Gaming Report in 2018, Asians disagree the most with the affirmation that there is an quote-unquote equal racial representation in video games. Of course, and that isn't without reason. I read a 2014 study done by Ross Orlando, an Ithaca graduate, and to my surprise, only 3% of video game characters are Asian, making Asian Americans the most underrepresented racial groups in video game. Yeah, that that, is, that sucks. Not only that, I also feel like the few Asian characters are always attached to stereotypical traits of their culture. For example, in League of Legends, a multiplayer combat game that I play a lot, I noticed that all the East Asian male characters were either samurais, Buddhist monks, or ancient um, Chinese warriors, and all the East Asian female characters were ninjas. Yeah, exactly. In comparison, their white counterparts have roles totally unrelated to their racial identity, like illusionists, hunters, pirates, and others. All the Asian people's roles are stereotypical of Asian culture, 
and those characters are defined by their Asian identity, as if they are nothing else but Asian. It even feels like a caricature rather than an authentic depiction of Asian culture, which offends me a lot because it is simply badly done for its diversity. Definitely. From what I remember, there's this character named Kailun in a Mass Effect 3, an action role-playing game that came out back in 2012. At that time, Kailun um, hate forums on Reddit flooded the internet, and he was easily one of the most disliked characters in the game, especially among Asian gamers. Reddit users uh, criticize him for being caricatural and not an adequate representation of Asians. Not only is he the main villain of the game, but he's also got those exaggerated, slanted Asian eyes, is a ninja, and even has the Fu Manzhou style long fingernails. The crazy thing is, Kailan's character design has not changed since, and gamers are still exposed to the caricatural Asian characters. Could you explain the Fu Manzhou style fingernails for our listeners? Yeah, of course. So Kai Lang has these super long fingernails similar to the film character Fu Manzhou's fingernails. Fu Manzhou is a Chinese supervillain featured on television from 1916 to around 1980. He is depicted with extremely stereotypical East Asian traits, like his yellow skin tone, slanted eyes, a long mustache that hangs below the jaw, which we nowadays call a Fu Manchu mustache and long fingernails. He was the embodiment of the Western fears of Asian power during both the world wars, which is the Yellow Peril. In movies, the villain Fu Manchu emphasized the threat that East Asian people put on the Western society by portraying them with stereotypical East Asian traits and setting them as the antagonist. In the present day, he and his features are gone from Western cinema as the film industry got criticized for his design. However, in video games, Fu Manchu-style features are still present in East Asian characters, just like Kai Lung's fingernails. Video games still have a lot to improve on their character designs. Oh, and also, Kai Dern is a cyber ninja in space whose weapon is a katana. Space ninjas? No, but why are there ninjas <laughs> in space in the first place? And why does he have a stereotypical traditional katana when the world is set in a sci-fi universe? where there is advanced space technology, laser guns, and superpowers. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Exactly. Speaking of which, have you guys also noticed a lot of sci-fi worlds use East Asian aesthetics? Yes. Um, Asian culture is closely linked to the science fiction genre, like neon signs with Japanese or Chinese characters. It's actually a Euro-American tradition of using symbols of Asian culture to represent their feelings about what the future holds, the globalization and threat of a takeover from the East. This is the concept of techno-Orientalism, where um, Eastern cultures are used to represent the future. Exactly. According to Dylan Yeats, author of Home is Where the War is, Techno-Orientalist Militarism on the Home Front, these feelings can be traced back to World War II, when colonizer countries like Great Britain were looking at the end of their empires, while simultaneously seeing the expansion of imperialism in countries like Japan. It's the fear of being outpaced in both technology and politics, Yeats said, and I quote, I think many Americans today don't realize just how scary the Japanese were, or how scary it was that the Americans developed globe-threatening atomic weapons to defeat them. 
Techno-Orientalism is so interesting. It's so deeply rooted in the history and sentiment of the Western world. The scapegoat theory can be brought up here. Along with Japan, Eastern Asians were subject to the anger and fear experienced by the Allies of World War II, being pointed out as the cause of the misery, and this is present in the society even today. Eastern Asians, especially Japanese Americans, were systematically blamed for the suffering caused by imperialist Japan during the war. Encouraged by the uh, government in forms of policies, people would point fingers at Asian immigrants and treat them as enemies living amongst them, venting their frustration, anger, and fear caused by the war. This is the scapegoat theory, where a prejudiced group is blamed unfairly by the dominant group for a problem that they aren't really responsible for. A perfect example of a game with techno-orientalist elements is a game that actually came out during the pandemic called Cyberpunk 2077. It was one of the most anticipated games to come out, but when it did, there were a lot of controversies related to race among other issues. With an increase of players due to the pandemic, only more people have been exposed to the caricatural East Asian characters and techno-orientalism, which have always been present in all media, not only in video games. Yeah, definitely. Those character designs and techno-orientalism would only fuel the anti-Asian hate during COVID. And on the gaming platforms themselves, there were instances of hate towards Asians. As socialization switched to online platforms since the first lockdowns in 2020, Toxicity on gaming platforms increased by 40% according to the organization Light. The frustration, isolation, increased stress, and boredom caused by the pandemic all led to players lashing out at others, often in racist ways. Um, using symbolic interactionism, uh, we can explain why Asian representations in video games are impactful to gamers. Symbolic interactionism focuses on the small-scale social interactions between gamers. We can use it to explain the individual in a society. First, let me define a symbolic interactionism. It's a th theory that states that people act according uh, to the meaning they assign to things or people or places, etc. Um, the three main ideas of the theories are one, everyone forms a meaning of certain things and our actions depend on those meanings. Two, the same thing can have different meanings for different people. And three, the meaning can change based on personal experience. The third idea is especially relevant in the gamer's exposure to caricatural Asian characters. The meaning of Asian for an individual can change based on the interactions uh, the individual has with Asians, whether it is Asian people or Asian video game characters. Since Asian video game characters' most salient feature is their quote-unquote Asianness, then the gamer's meaning of Asian people would be shaped into Asianness, making Asian people alien to the Western society because their main identity would be being Asian. At the same time, insult and slurs pronounced against Asians during video games also contribute to reshaping the gamer's meaning of the gaming community. By constantly hearing these demeaning words, they picture the gaming community as one where racism is abundant. Consequently, the gamers would act according to this perception of the gaming community as a racist environment and think of racism as the normal state of the gaming community. Thus, they become less sensitive to the issue of racism itself. So during COVID-19, 
Not only were East Asian players surrounded by caricatural characters which misrepresented their cultural identities, but they were also getting racially attacked by other players. Exactly. You see, a few years ago, before the pandemic, when me and my Asian gamer friends played Valorant, a team-based shooter game where there is a call lobby for you to communicate with your randomly assigned stranger team members, we would sometimes um, get called Ching Chong and Ling Ling or just slurs in general due to our gamer username that was in Chinese pinyin, which is the Roman letters that correspond to the Chinese character's pronunciation when we entered a team call. Since the pandemic, the slurs switched to COVID-related insults like bat eaters, yellow virus carriers, or just plain COVID-19. Not only that, but some people even insult East Asian video game characters to manifest their hate towards Asian people. Once again, I'll be talking about League of Legends, a game that I'm familiar with. On its official Discord server, which is an online platform widely used by gamers to discuss games of similar interest, Players were insulting a Korean League of Legends character named Ari. They said Korean Ari should leave the game, or please remove that useless Korean Ling Ling from the game. These insults, although not directed at Asian gamers, still affect them as they are witnessing racism towards characters that are supposed to represent their cultural identity. There are plenty of testimonies of East Asian uh, gamers being racially attacked during the pandemic. The one I came across was from the online journal The Citizen, where a um, Chinese gamer recounted instances of racism that he experienced, which are pretty similar to yours. What struck me the most was uh, how often he experienced racism. He said that he would have all sorts of racist encounters every week, to the point where he doesn't even bother to argue back anymore. This type of behavior gets normalized because it happens so much that we think this is just part of the gaming experience. When these issues are normalized, we don't even bother to speak up anymore because it's just how it is, which shouldn't be. It's also mentally draining for us hearing racist comments all the time and arguing with racist people. Plus, what's the point of wasting your energy? Because it's not like they were going to apologize anyways, right? Yeah, and when I personally received racist attacks, I thought of them as private experiences, but they really aren't. So many more Asian gamers are experiencing the same racist comments as me, and this is because of the COVID-19 social condition and all the historical issues of Fu Manchu and World War II that we explained earlier that they are experiencing such encounters, making those comments a public matter. This is the concept of sociological imagination, where Asian players' personal experiences of racist encounters can be placed in a broader um, social and historical context. We've been talking a lot about general online behavior, but how does it compare or relate to in-person interactions? So I think that discrimination is definitely felt throughout both online and offline spaces. Being online is essentially the same thing as being completely anonymous, yet visible. If someone feels hate towards a minority they want to express but are scared to face backlash for it, they can easily hide behind the character and share it online. Especially during the pandemic, when social isolation forced everyone inside. The internet was where people looked for social interactions, whether it be in a multiplayer game or in an online forum community. It's not an understatement to claim that many people were frustrated, stressed, and bored during quarantine. 
It doesn't excuse racism in any way, of course, but in the eyes of racists, it gave them a valid reason to lash out against Asians, blaming them for the current situation, which is, again, scapegoat theory. And that was much easier online behind a pseudonym, even more so when everyone is staying at home with access to the internet. And we need to remember that punitive measures are very limited online. Sure, your gaming account can be suspended, but you can always make another one. If you're being harassed online because of your race, realistically, what can you do about it? There are very few punitive measures against racism in video games. According to Vincenzo Oriyama and other sociologists, this is an asymmetry of power, a concept which states that victims of online racism are essentially unable to seek help or defend themselves. This asymmetry of power makes cyber racism different from other type of racism because of the perpetrator's ease to get away with their actions. Also, according to the sociologist Jose Neves, people tend to say stuff on the internet that they would normally not say face-to-face. There are merely avatars, which is a figure representing the player in a game, or usernames in video games, and not the people behind the screen. It is as though the perpetrators themselves are not racist, but their game avatar is. Their racist behaviors are not associated with their names or faces, but rather those of their game avatar. Thus, the avatars are like masks that the perpetrators hide behind, which leads them into saying stuff they would not say without it. It's so much easier to be racist behind a screen. Also, I think a lot of these issues could be addressed by developers who are in charge of the basic representation during the game's creation. In an ideal world, all game developers would be inclusive in their work. However, according to the International Game Developers Association, 81% of game developers identified as European or white, which leaves only 19% to identify as a part of minorities. With the lack of representation in the industry, how do we expect significant changes in the games? Unfortunately, this limited diversity is also found in the clientele of the games. Gamers from different social classes will play different games. While players from the upper class and middle class can afford games, good computers, and fast internet, the lower middle class and the working class often do not have the money to buy either of these, and will tend to stick to free games that demand little from computers, and even then, few of them really have the time to spare. Considering upper and middle class gamers make the most profitable audience, the developers cater to their needs, and generally speaking, these wealthier communities are Caucasian as well. Exactly. The developers don't generally see the microaggressions found in certain characterizations of minority-issued characters or the blatant fetishization of certain cultures. Ideally, the industry would be as diverse as the audience. However, it's as of now a market made by and for the middle-aged, able-bodied, cis, straight, white men. But I am sure of it, as video games become more and more accessible, the target audience will diversify as well as the developers. Funny how you can see the resemblance between online and offline socialization yet again. Alright, so this brings to an end to our podcast today. 
I loved our conversation, and to summarize it, we discussed how the pandemic exacerbated sinophobia with sociological explanations, such as a scapegoat theory. The COVID-19 outbreak also caused an increase in the amount of video game players as socialization moved online. A lot more people are then exposed to stereotypical East Asian characters, such as Kailang, misrepresentations of Asian cultures. In addition to techno-orientalism and its fear of the Orient, which can be found in games like Cyberpunk 2077. In this podcast, we mostly focus on the experience of East Asians with racism in video games under the context of the pandemic. However, racism toward ethnic groups like Black people and Muslim people is also an issue in the gaming community and obviously did not disappear during the pandemic. So it will be interesting in the next next podcast episode to see what their experiences were during the pandemic. Also, since we only talked about racism in video games towards East Asians, I think it will be interesting to see how the gaming experiences of South Asians or Southeast Asians differ from ours. Thank you once again for joining me, Phoebe and G. Thank you for hosting. This discussion was so interesting, and I learned a lot of new stuff. I think that racism in the gaming community is an important issue, especially during the pandemic when many new players joined. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it, and I hope we brought awareness to the issue of racism, as it is something I encounter a lot when I play games. Yeah, no, for sure. But this was so fun and informative. See you next time. Bye! Bye. Thank you.